Our gracious, loving Father, Lord, we're so thankful that you brought us safely through another week. And Lord, as the sun sets into the Sabbath this evening, I pray the sun of righteousness would rise in our hearts. And Lord, as we open the Bible to study, as we seek wisdom from thy words and the message that you have for us this evening, I pray that you would send the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us into all truth and to convict us and convert us as well. And most of all, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open to this message this evening. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. The title of my message this evening is entitled, Sleeping in the Storm. And I'd like to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 2 is the more famous chapter, of course, to many of us. Jonah gets swallowed by a big fish, and he spit out three days later, and then he goes and does his mission in Nineveh. But in Jonah chapter 1, a very interesting story, and I believe a very prophetic application that we can learn from this chapter with us this evening, and this story begins starting in verse 1. The Bible says, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. Jonah, a prophet of the Lord, and God comes directly to Jonah and says, Jonah, I want you to cry against that city, Nineveh. And I want you to give a very specific message, and he tells them, cry against them because their wickedness is come up against me. And in verse, chapter 3, we also see, chapter 3, and we see the message in verse 4 that Jonah had to bear. For we see in verse 2, pardon me, it says, arise, go to Nineveh. God gives Jonah that same message, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. And that message that he gave is found in verse 4, and Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So God gave Jonah this message. He said, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh, and I want you to tell this wicked city and all the wicked inhabitants, they have 40 days, and if they don't repent, I'm going to destroy this city. Simply put, Jonah was given a judgment hour message. Jonah was given a message that depended upon life and death circumstances. Jonah, could I say in our day and age, he was given a present truth message. So Jonah was a present truth speaker. And keep this in mind as we go through the rest of Jonah chapter 1. Let us go to verse 3. Jonah chapter 1 verse 3. The Bible says, but Jonah rose up. Jonah obeyed. Like many of us, God said in verse 2, arise, Jonah, and Jonah rose up. He obeyed, but like many of us, we obey partially. We arise, and God says, go east, and Jonah fled west. God said, I have a message for you, Jonah, and Jonah runs the opposite direction. He obeyed partially. But it says that Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tashish, so he paid the fare thereof, 
and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So Jonah flees from God's express command. Jonah flees from the presence of God. And in verse 4, it says, But the Lord sent out a great wind. Now, what does wind represent in the Bible, friends? What does it represent? Strife and destruction and turmoil. And in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 27, that is where we find the direct interpretation. If we're to put on our prophetic glasses for a moment, we see that when God sent out a wind, prophetically we're seeing, according to the Bible and its interpretation, God sent out destruction. Who was it that sent this out, friends? It was the Lord. It was God himself. And keep this in mind. It says, the Lord, verse 4, sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Verse 5. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. And this is a situation that we see in our world today, friends. China earthquake, tsunamis, destruction that happens everywhere around us. And dare I say, even in the United States, tornadoes, flooding, and all these sorts of things that we see. Destruction on every side. And I'm not saying that God is the author of every single one of these disasters, but yet I know, according to verse 4, it's said that the Lord sent out a great wind. That wind of strife and destruction and despair, it came from the Lord himself. And notice how the mariners, those heathens, those people on the ship, how they're reacting. It says they were afraid and cried every man unto his God. And this is the exact situation that we see in the world today, friends. We see Buddha, the Buddhists, they're crying out to the people. We see the Muslims are crying out to Allah. We see that when destruction happens on every side, all the pagans, all the heathens, all those that have a knowledge of their own God, they cry out. But more than that, it says in verse 5 that they cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. Somehow these heathens, somehow these pagans, somehow these people that don't know the true God, they're throwing out their possessions, they're throwing out their worldly things, they're throwing out the things that weigh them down to this world, even though they don't know the true God. They're trying to lighten themselves from this load that they have on the world because they realize that something stupendous is about to take place on this earth. But, it says in verse 5, but Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was what? Fast asleep. Somehow this prophet of God, somehow this present truth speaker, somehow this person that was given a judgment hour message, when he ran from the Lord, not only did he run, he ran down into the ship, and when everyone else around him was crying, Buddha, Allah, all the Hindus, everybody crying to their own God, throwing out their earthly possessions, this present truth speaker is fast asleep. 
Interesting, isn't it? Verse 6, so the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, what meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. Notice, it's the heathens that came to Jonah. Jonah, wake up. Wake up. Call upon your God. Help us. What are you doing sleeping in this time? It's interesting, isn't it? That this man of God had to be woken up by the shipmaster and the mariners. Verse 7, And they said, Everyone to his fellow, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. They knew already. Verse 8, Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause is this evil upon us? What is thine occupation? And whence comest thou? And what is thy country? And what people art thou? Jonah, tell us, who are you? Where do you come from? We, we know that this disaster has come because of you. But who are you? And notice how Jonah replies in verse 9. And he said unto them, I am a what? Seventh-day Adventist. That's what Jonah would have said if he was alive in our day and age today. How do I know? Notice how he says this. I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which made the sea and the dry land. Now, Evan Hope, according to the Bible, what does it mean to fear God? I can't hear it. <laughs> what does it mean to fear God? Obey? Let's, go to, let's run through a few texts really quickly. Exodus 20, 20. Exodus chapter 20, 20. Now, Jonah said, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear God, the Lord who made heaven and the seas and the dry land. And so Jonah was a God-fearing person. In he, Exodus 20, 20, it says, And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you that his fear may be before your faces, that ye what? Sin not. So if you fear God, that means you don't sin, and sin according to the Bible is what? Transgression of the law, 1 John 3, 4. So that means Jonah was a commandment-keeping person. He kept 10 commandments, but not just that, if you go back to the book of Jonah and verse 9, and you looked at how Jonah responded, he said, I'm a Hebrew, I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. So he just called God what? Creator. And there's only one commandment in all of the 10 that points to God's creatorship, which is what? Sabbath commandment. And so when when Jonah told the mariners, when Jonah told the shipmaster, I am what, Hebrew? Really, he's saying, in our day and age, our modern language, he's saying, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. Are you with me? And then it verse says in verse 10, Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, notice what they say to him, Why have you done this? <laughs> Why have you done this? For the men knew that he had fled 
from the presence of the Lord. Here the heathens, they're saying, Jonah, you're a prophet of God. God spoke to you. Why did you flee from God? Why did you run from him? I mean, I'm Muslim and I pray four times a day. I'm Hindu and once a year for a whole month, we don't eat meat. We're vegetarian. But you, God speaks to you directly. Why did you run from him? And they're asking him this question. It's almost to say, Jonah, we know you believe in your God, but yet you're not obeying him. And we as heathens, we, we don't have, well, really, we don't have a creator God, but yet we do more to obey him and do the things that we believe in than you do when a God that speaks directly to you, and yet you run from him. Why are you doing this, Jonah? Why? Verse 11. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And they asked him, Jonah, what should we do? Verse 12. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you. For I know that for my sake, Jonah said this, I know that for my sake, this great tempest is upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. And verse 14, wherefore they cried unto the Lord and said, we beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life. And lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. And all of a sudden, these heathen people know how to pray to the true God in heaven. All of a sudden, they know how to cry and beseech and beg and seek the Lord. Verse 15. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. In a short space of time, from when the time that Jonah got in the boat and the storm was blowing, blowing upon the sea, ready to break the boat apart, they wake up Jonah, they find out the cause of the problem, and all of a sudden now, they're sacrificing unto the true God. Isn't that interesting? And I want you to see the clear picture here, friends, especially about this man, Jonah. According to what we've looked so far, who was Jonah again? Prophet of God, and what else? Hebrew, which is equal to Seventh-day Adventist. But more so, what sort of message did Jonah bear? Judgment, our message, which made him preach what sort of truth? Present truth. And so here is a present truth speaker, and he's told by God expressly to give a, sh a direct message to Nineveh. Judgment, our message. Jonah flees from God, and he goes into the ship, and it's the mariners that are the ones that are more faithful to cry to their God than Jonah is to his true God. And friends, I want to give you a little simple remedy this evening. If you, does anybody here get insomnia? Anybody? 
You can't sleep at night. You toss and turn. One little simple remedy that I've learned is to give people a not, not super hot and not super cold bath. Yes? So you lie in a bathtub that's about the temperature of your blood, which is about 37 degrees Celsius. I'm sorry, I don't know it in Fahrenheit. <laughs> I'm from Australia, and I haven't adjusted to Fahrenheit yet, but it's about 37 degrees Celsius. And so if you put a person that cannot sleep, that has insomnia into a bathtub like that, they're able to eventually go off to sleep. It's called a lukewarm bath. And this is the sort of situation that we're seeing here with Jonah. He is lukewarm. But keep in mind, he has a judgment hour message to give, and he also is meant to be a present truth speaker. And God speaks directly to him. But the thing is, what made him lukewarm? It was running from the presence of the Lord. But what was he running from? What was he running from, friends? He was running from his responsibility to give that direct message to Nineveh. And that was what made him lukewarm, so to speak. And today, friends, we see the winds of strife and destruction and despair blowing all around us, blowing possibly here in even Loma Linda, blowing in our own personal lives and things like like family tragedies take place in our life, and we don't know why. But yet somehow, as we look to the book of Jonah, we see that the reason why this destruction came upon the earth, why Jonah got swallowed up by a big fish later on, was because he failed to give the message a certain sound. Was because he failed to give the message that God had given him to give at that certain point in time. And as a result, God was the author of the destruction, the despair, the strife that was to take place in other people's life. Application to us, as I look around today, as I saw the tsunami in 2004, as I see the China earthquake where people are still suffering from the side effects, I somehow look and I say, Lord, could it be that you're sending these disasters because of us? Because of the people that know the message, that know to give the trumpet a certain sound, but yet we're running from our duty and responsibility. And so God in His mercy, He sends forth a great wind, not to teach the mariners or the shipmaster a lesson, not to convert these heathen people, but to wake his prophet that knew the message. To wake that man up that knew the message he had to give to Nineveh. Why? Because he ran from that direct command of the Lord. And we see it also in Revelation chapter 7. Come with me there. Revelation chapter 7. And verses 1 through 3. Revelation chapter 7 and verses 1 through 3. 
The Bible says, And after these things I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying with a loud voice, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. Revelation chapter 7, verses 1 through 3, points to a time in the future when the four winds of destruction and strife are going to be let loose. And there's coming that time, and already we're told in inspiration that already even now, the four winds are beginning to be let loose. But yet another angel from the east comes and says, hold, hold, hold. Don't let the winds go yet. Why? Because my people are not sealed yet. Because my people, they're not ready yet. Hold, hold. And we see that as destruction is coming round us, even here in the United States, even in our own personal life, tragedies take place that bring us to our knees, helpless before God. And we say, Lord, why me? Why? And somehow, maybe, God is using these winds. God is using these disasters not to destroy us, but to wake us up. Have you ever prayed prayers like, Lord, do whatever it takes to save a certain person? Do whatever it takes. And we don't realize what we're asking for sometimes. But yet sometimes God may bring a certain tragedy into our life to wake us up out of our own slumber and Laodicean state. Friends, what would you do if you knew the future? And for example, you are at home one day and your brother or mother or sister or father, whoever it may be, was home there with you, but he or she was about to go out the door. And because you knew the future, you knew that if that person walked out the door, they would perish. What would you do? What would you do? Hey, don't, don't go out. It's not good. Is that all you'd say? And then, oh, oh they go, you're crazy. There's nothing going to happen to me. And so, say your father continues to walk out and say, Dad, don't go out. Just sit down. Don't worry. But he needs to get somewhere. What would you do? Any suggestions? Sorry? Tackle them? Okay. But, but you're a lady and you, you, you're not that strong. What would you do? Huh? Did someone say shoot them? On the leg, okay. <laughs> you would do whatever it would do, take to save them, right? But not kill them, of course. But you would do whatever you could to keep them from walking through that door if you had to break their legs, if you had to tie them up, if you had to chain them or, or whatever it is, knock them unconscious, you would do whatever you could just to save them. 
And this is the exact situation that we see in the book of Jonah. Not that God is on purpose sending out disasters, and not that God is the author of all the disasters that we see around us, but yet somehow we know according to the story of Jonah that God sends out winds. He sends out despair, strife, and destruction. Why? Because His people are sleeping, that they may give the message a certain sound, but more than just that, that He may save them from impending destruction. And so God, in His mercy, sends out the winds. And I don't know what you may be going through in your life today. Maybe a family member passed away. Maybe someone close to you was touched with an infirmity. Maybe you became disabled at work or something happened, and yet you don't know why. Maybe God, in His mercy, is trying to save you from something bigger. And tonight, as you sit here, as you question maybe, Lord, why? Maybe the story of Jonah will give you answers. But especially to the younger people here, and also the old folk as well. But this is my appeal to you, friends. This evening, do not wait for God to send destruction into your life. Do not wait for God to, to send despair and, and tragedy into your life before you say, God, okay, I surrender. Don't wait for God to take one leg from you before you say, Lord, okay, I'll give you my whole heart. Don't wait for that destruction to blow through your life before you're willing to say, Lord, now I will follow you all the way. Will God take our repentance as we lie there in the deathbed with cancer maybe or with, with a tumor? Yes, He will. But in the strength of our youth and manhood and womanhood, we can do much for God if we learn to obey now. Now. For now, today, if you hear His voice, harden not your heart as the Israelites did in the wilderness. And we saw the history of what happened to them. For why? God says it is better to what? Obey than to sacrifice. My message is simple, friends. Let us not wait for God to disable us, to bring despair upon us, to bring disaster in our lives before we will give our whole heart to Him. I pray that we would learn to do it today. While we have yet two hands, two legs, while yet the winds of strife are not blowing, but even then, Sister White tells us, what we have not learned to do in times of peace and prosperity, we're going to have to learn to do it in the most what? Forbidding circumstances. And today, friends, we have the doors wide open for the gospel to go out, for evangelism to take place here in Loma Linda, in San Bernardino. And just recently, just a few days ago, I was looking at the area. San Loma Linda is one of the best towns and then I looked up San Bernardino, and their crime rate, death rate, gunshots, everything, rape and everything, double of what the standard of what a California is meant to be. Friends, we have work to do. 
while it is yet light, let us give the trumpet a certain sound. And with all our heart, let us put our energy into serving the Lord. And this is our emphasis from Iona this weekend. We're going to be talking about evangelism. We're going to be talking about integrated evangelism. We're going to be talking about working together in teams to work to finish the gospel. Do you want to be part of that team, friends? Do you want to be a part of that army of youth to take the gospel to the whole world? Let us not wait for God to blow the winds into our life before we'll band together and give the message a certain sound. Let's pray. Our loving Father, our loving God, Lord, we are not worthy of your tender mercies toward us. Lord, we are not worthy of your patience and your long-suffering towards our sinful deeds. But yet we are so thankful, Lord, that you sent Jesus Christ to give us his righteousness and to give us a message for our time. Lord, I pray in this room and all those that will listen to this message that, Lord, you will stir our hearts today, wake us up from the slumber, and give us holy boldness to go forward and to proclaim the gospel to the whole world. And Father, give us the strength and love to obey you all the way. Be with my brothers and sisters here this evening. Be with myself also, Lord, that you would put a word in our mouth to speak in time of prosperity, in time of peace, in times today where people need to hear the message. Bless us, O Lord, this weekend. Bless us as we talk about evangelism. May you be with us and send the Holy Spirit to guide us, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.